Welcome to the We Are SC podcast. This is Eric McKinney and joined by Greg Katz. Greg, uh, we're a couple days away from football. It's, it's here, the, the 2020 season. Well, you know, since it's here, there's no reason not to get excited. I mean, it is exciting. Uh, you know, I think that uh, from a, a medical standpoint, they've done everything they can do. They're comfortable with it. So, uh, you know, I think the fans are ready for it. Uh, I, they're probably more ready for a 9 a.m. game because they don't have to drive to the Coliseum. Uh, but I think the, when it's all said and done, you know, I think people are ready for USC football. And there's a reason to be optimistic, uh, you know, mainly because I, I've written about this. I think they should go undefeated. Uh, you know, think about this. They're, they opened up an 11-point favorite uh, against Arizona State. And Arizona State's supposed to be uh, the biggest challenger for in the Pac-12 South Division. I mean, that's really amazing when you think that your biggest challenger is still an 11-point, uh, uh, you know, underdog. So, um, you know, the only thing we have left, Eric, is let's just kick the darn thing off and get going. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll kick this off by just diving right into uh, kind of kind of breaking this day, game down a little bit. And again, it, there's. I think off the top, what we should talk about, there is so much uncertainty uh, going into this year. Just what what does anybody really know about these teams? How, how do you factor in, you know, uh, especially for USC, missing spring ball? A lot of these teams are, are bringing in, you know, they'll have new coordinators on the offense, on defense, on special teams. Uh, did they get enough kind of conditioning over the summer, what did fall camp look like? Did you know? Did did sort of those extra weeks of the OTA period make up for you know everything that was lost, like we mentioned, in, in not being able to do a lot of the things that uh, the teams are, are really used to doing? So again, we can talk about you know what we expect and and what's going to be on the field, but boy, am I am I ready for kind of some surprises uh, in terms of I, I didn't see that coming from either from USC or or from the other teams. I think right now we're really relying on, you know, what we heard from players and, and what we heard from coaches about how uh, practice went, but that proof is, is going to be on the field and, and jumping into it. We'll talk USC offense. When USC has the ball, the USC offense against that Arizona state defense. And I think the USC offense certainly is kind of the one spot of this Trojan team where you feel pretty comfortable. Keaton Slovis and, and Graham Harrell in their second year together, the, the real sort of flashes and then also some sustained success uh, on that side of the ball last year and, and bringing almost everybody back. I mean, uh, there are a couple of big names gone, uh, but, but I would certainly expect Keaton Slovis and those wide receivers especially to come out and, and look really sort of fluent in this offense from the get-go, and and I think that's going to be a, a, a big deal. Um, what what are you looking for? What what's kind of the going to be the key where your eyes go initially when USC comes out with the ball when when they get it the first time? Well, for me, you know, the skill sets are basically all in place. There's no reason to think that uh, that Keaton Slovis isn't going to be a better quarterback in the system. There's no reason to believe that uh, Tyler Vaughns and Amon Ross St. Brown and uh, Drake London aren't going to be better than they were last year. <laughs> Excuse me, with all the running backs being uh, fairly healthy to absolutely healthy, uh, no reason to have any concern there. So for me, uh, I'm looking at that offensive line. 
you just can't get around it. You know, I, I know that, uh, you know, uh, Graham Harrell says he believes that the offensive line has, quote, a chip on their shoulder. Uh, and, of course, that chip is probably people in the media and uh, people such as myself saying, uh, prove it. We've heard, that, we've heard it before, the physicality, the efficiency. Uh, I, I think that uh, also that I think that Graham Harrell, uh, having this many, and I hate to use this term, but toys at his disposal, uh, is under a lot of pressure too, because he's made it clear, at least in the preseason, that he wants to have a running attack. And we all know that uh, if you don't have a running attack, uh, you're not going to get to the championship level and certainly not to the college football playoff level and go anywhere from there. So I, I'm not, I have a lot of confidence. Of course, it's the first game, but it's the first game for everybody. It's the first game for the Arizona State defense. Uh, the key will be protecting uh, Slovis, uh, not only for this game, but obviously for the others. You know, he, he's not a mobile quarterback. Uh, uh, as we know it, uh, he'd stay in the pocket. And if they don't block for him, he's going to become a human pinata. You know, he, we've seen him go down. We saw him go down last year. Uh, but uh, kind of wrap up my perspective on it. You know, it's, it's only really a six-game regular season. Can they keep him healthy for at least six games? And hopefully they can. And, and you'd expect, I mean, Arizona State ha has that, uh, that linebacker duo, Merlin Robertson, who I, I'm sure, you know, a lot of USC fans – remember coming out of Sarah High School he was a guy that you know maybe could have ended up at, at USC and and was a guy that they were looking at but he ends up at, at Arizona State and has just really hit hit the ground running there as a true freshman was outstanding uh sophomore year last year outstanding and so they've got uh him and Darian Butler as those two linebackers and they can really kind of create havoc I think for that offensive line when, when they're coming where they're coming from the the different angles and I think that matchup I'm curious your thoughts Graham Graham Harrell for USC's offense he's gonna get a test I think Arizona State they, they made a change they actually made two changes at uh, defensive coordinator this offseason that they, they promoted a defensive coordinator when Danny Gonzalez went and, and took the New Mexico job and then uh, Tony White went to, to Syracuse, so they had to look for another guy. They, they go in-house again, and it's two names that, that are very familiar uh, to football fans. It, it's Marvin Lewis, who was the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals for years and years and, and found success there, and then Antonio Pierce, uh, the, the Super Bowl-winning linebacker from, from the New York Giants. Those are the co-defensive coordinators. That is a, a lot of football brain power and success on that side of the defense, and Graham Harrell said, you know, he, he talked this week, there's no film that you can turn on to watch of Marvin Lewis calling a defense over the last couple of years. I mean, you certainly might have an idea of kind of what to expect. You go back and, and look at some of the defenses that he fielded at, at Cincinnati. And I, I'm sure that you can kind of pull some tendencies uh, out of that, but it's turning the page really this Arizona state defense, what they got last year, the, the coordinator there, the guys who were involved in implementing that defense they're they're not here. So you're getting sort of a, a fresh look. What would you expect? I guess, what, what do you expect from that Arizona state defense? And then that matchup between, uh, you know, Harold for, for USC and, and those couple minds over there from Arizona state. Well, I think it's, it's fascinating on a number of levels. First of all, as you mentioned, uh, Merlin Robertson and Darian Butler, maybe the best pair of linebackers uh, 
uh, on one team in the in the Pac-12 conference. Uh, they have, you know, a good a senior defensive back in Evan Fields. They have a, a good pass rusher and defensive lineman, Jermaine Lowley. And, of course, uh, lurking out there in the secondary is an old friend of the Trojans, Jack Jones. So, uh, you know, they have talent in place. I would say that uh, in the case of their defensive co-coordinators, I don't think you're going to sneak a lamb chop past a wolf. I think they're going to know exactly where to deal with uh, – you know, Slobus. I think one of the things we learned with Pete Carroll is Pete Carroll and a number of NFL coaches that have come down into the uh, college ranks have been highly effective. They don't have to bring everything that you get in an NFL defensive playbook, but they can bring enough that they can really throw a college quarterback uh, off, off his mark. And that's something to look forward to uh, as a possibility uh, early on. You know, the thing that's really kind of ironic is you got two teams, Arizona State and the Trojans, with uh, new defensive coordinator and, and coaches. And, uh, you know, if anyone sits there and says, well, Antonio Pierce, you know, he's a player. Well, so uh, was Kenny Norton when he came to USC. Everyone was kind of saying, well, what's, what's Carroll bringing him in for? And he turned out to be really a great coach. So to dismiss, you know, that factor, I think it is going to be a factor. Now, whether it's a factor all the way through, I don't know. But we would all have to be naive to think that, uh, you know, that uh, you're going to fake uh, two NFL guys out, especially one who was the former head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals and not go there. Uh, you know, it really will be a test of Graham Harrell. It's really going to put him, uh, you know, in the crosshairs of comparisons. So we'll have to wait and see, but nothing would be surprised me. But I think the NFL – is adjusting to this wide open offense. I, you know, I think the defenses you've seen, I'm sure they'll look at the film and they'll say, well, what did Iowa do? You know, how did they defend them? How did Notre Dame defend them? You know, uh, you know, especially how did Oregon defend them uh, against the air raid offense? So I don't think the air raid offense is, is going to be a, a major surprise uh, in terms of uh, Arizona state. And let's not forget that SC was really fortunate to get out of Tempe last season. And they didn't even have uh, their quarterback, you know, Jaden Daniels. So it's, it's going to be a really interesting thing, as I think, as you pointed out. Yeah, and, and this is Arizona State moving from that 3-3-5 defense to a, a four-man front. It's always, it's, uh, you know, it's not always going to be four defensive linemen up front, but, but more than likely it's set up to go with four guys up front. But, you know, we, we heard – Graham Harold talked about what Notre Dame did last year. They, they had never seen it, you know, going back six years watching film, they'd never seen Notre Dame in a three-man front. They come out against Notre Dame. Notre Dame runs a three-man front against them the whole game. So how quickly, if, if he does see something like that, if you do see a, a wrinkle that, you, you know, you're not expecting, how quickly can you make that adjustment? I, I think one of the things that's interesting about this game is you look at that Arizona State defense, and my eyes immediately go – to that back seven. We, we talked about the linebackers, but even the secondary too. You mentioned Evan Fields at safety, but Ashari Crosswell, uh, another safety. You mentioned Jack Jones. Chase Lucas is another corner. It, it feels like the strength of that team is in that very experienced and, and deep secondary. And then you've got that matchup, right? The USC wide receivers against that Arizona State secondary. You mentioned Lole uh, on the defensive line. It doesn't feel like Arizona State has that defensive line where you're thinking all right this is this is going to be a, a huge test 
for that for that USC offensive line. When you hear Harrell and you hear Clay Helton talk about, you know, we really like where our offensive line is at. We really like how they're playing. We really like how physical they are. How much do you come out and let those guys kind of set the tempo and, and push your offense against, again, a, a defensive line? And, and who knows how they might end up uh, down the way, but you're certainly not coming in against this defensive line thinking, oh my gosh, they are just unbelievable across the front. And they, they have all these guys that, that are going to create, you know, so much chaos and, and uh, you know, it, it's kind of a, a terrifying proposition. So can USC's offensive line, you mentioned that, that's the spot you're watching. Can they come in and, and establish something up front and really let the USC offense do everything it can do? I, I liked hearing Graham Harrell say, hey, when this offense is going well, it's because the run game is, is going and the run game is adding uh, that sort of extra whatever to allow the passing game to kind of operate at the level that it's capable of, of operating at. So again, you're hearing the right things. And so we'll see uh, on Saturday, I think Arizona state presents a, a nice challenge. I think Arizona state's defense will let the USC offense know if they're sort of where they need to be for this season, if, if USC is going to get, you know, to, to where they want to go by the end of the year. But I, I let's, let's flip over because I think that USC defense with Todd Orlando coming out of the gate, I think that's the most important thing for USC this season. And then even, you know, even if you're looking at kind of down the line, how that defense runs and how Orlando fits in and how they sort of adjust to that system Boy, you get a, a big test from Jaden Daniels uh, at quarterback in this Arizona State offense right off the bat. Your expectations for the USC defense uh, against a, a, a good test from Arizona State right out of the right out of the gate. Well, the thing to keep in mind about Arizona State is uh, they've had to replace both offensive tackles on their offensive line. Uh, they may or may not be doing it with two grad transfers. Okay. Uh, but I think the, the thing about it is the, uh, you know, the wild card is Jaden Daniels. I think without Jaden Daniels, I mean, there's no, uh, you know, Benjamin back there. They're going to be going with a true freshman and a, a couple of other younger running backs. Uh, but Daniels has got enough skill players on the perimeter. And we, we mentioned uh, one of them, Darby, uh, the wide receiver, who's a uh, Bolitnikoff uh, nomination watch list guy. But uh, I'm fascinated because the names that are sticking out to me, especially uh, at middle linebacker for the Trojans, you know, in junior Giotioti, uh, uh, you know, everybody's been just absolutely raving about him at middle linebacker. And what a job that, excuse me, Todd Orlando has done with him. So, it, you know, I don't know if they're going to spy Jaden Daniels or something, but, you know, if anyone can disrupt this new Trojan defense, it'll be uh, Jaden Daniels because his, uh, you know, mobility. I mean, you just don't know what he's going to do. You could run the right defensive call and he could get out of it and really burn you. I think the other thing about it is that I think that Marlon Tuyapolotu uh, has a, a great chance to be an all-Pac-12 defensive tackle, uh, and if he can put the pressure on. But it's really about going to be containing Jaden Daniels. You know, that, that might bring us to a Drake Jackson, uh, what he's going to do uh, as a hybrid uh, 
defensive and outside linebacker. Uh, so, you know, when you look at it, uh, you could honestly say that if the Trojan defense can keep the damage down from Jaden Daniels, uh, they could be in good shape. But I think with a, with a guy like Jaden Daniels, you can never take off a play at any time. Uh, because I think if you do, that's when you're going to get burned. But uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I like the Trojan defense. Uh, I like the talent. I like, I like the, from what we've been told. But you know the beauty of it all, Eric, and to our listeners, is nobody really knows what's been happening down at USC's uh, practices. But one thing we're going to know is like you didn't see somebody practicing for, a, for studying for a test, but you're all going to be allowed to watch the person take the test. And we'll find out. We'll separate fact from uh, hyperbole. Yeah, I, I think you nail I mean, Jaden Daniels is, is the name that jumps out. There, there is no Eno Benjamin there anymore. There is no Brandon Ayuk there anymore, uh, the, the wide receiver, the, the outstanding wide receiver last year. I mean, you, you take those two guys out, take their numbers away from that 2019 Arizona State team and the, the rushing numbers, the receiving numbers, I mean, they, they absolutely plummet. So you mentioned Frank Darby, the wide receiver. He got on the, the receiving end of a couple touchdowns against USC last year. And then it's a, a transfer and some, some true freshmen at running back. Uh, but these are, these are talented guys. I mean, the, this Arizona State recruiting class, especially what they were able to do going into California. You're talking about Johnny Wilson, uh, a true freshman wide receiver from Calabasas, LV Bunkley Shelton. Uh, from Gardena Serra and then Daniel uh, Niata and sorry, Ngata uh, up from Northern California. Those are three guys that they went in and, and they really won recruiting battles for. And, and those guys all show up as either, uh, you know, n- number one or guys on the depth chart or, or right there at number two uh, would certainly expect to see, you know, all of them in this game. Um, and, and Arizona State's looking for playmakers. They're, they're looking for guys to step up. I think USC's defense, which is very veteran. I mean, they, they know they know these guys. They know they're coming back to, to California, to Los Angeles, and, and kind of want to, you know, they, they want to make a statement. So I think they're going to be fired up. But containing Jaden Daniels, keeping those numbers, the, I think the rush numbers down, not letting him escape and, and being able to chase him down, I think that's going to be big. And, and the thing that we have really heard consistently from both USC defensive players and USC offensive players is that Todd Orlando's defense as, as an offensive player does not let you let up at all because there's really no way of telling where pressure is coming from, where the, the extra rusher is coming from, what they're doing from play to play. And that, that seems like a recipe you would need against Jaden Daniels. Now what it's going to come down to, and I think you'd agree, is if you get there, you have to, you have to land not just the hit, but the tackle. I mean, that, that's kind of what I think all of this is going to come down to. And again, something we've heard from all the coaches when they're watching these games around the country so far is that the tackling has been poor below average to poor to terrible however you want to put it that is one of the things that is leading to these offensive explosions uh and and losing contain losing the grasp of a guy like Jaden daniels in the pocket boy does that seem like it could lead to some big plays if, if he's allowed to get outside so i think the amount of pressure that they can put on him uh and, and then kind of you know tackling 
tackling overall. Um, these are a, a couple big running backs uh, that, that Arizona State has that, that they're going to bring out. Um, you know, the, the two top guys at the top of their list, one of them goes 6'2", 195, the other one's 5'11", 230. So it, it's going to be important for that linebacking core, for that defensive line uh, unit to be able to get get to the guy and, and to bring him down. Again, I, and, and again, I bring up, we heard from the coaches because that, that's all we're going on right now, but tackling has been one of the absolute key things that USC has focused on during this fall camp. Clay Helton called it, you know, the most physical camp that USC has had in a few years. And that was something that Todd Orlando promised when he got to USC early on, said, we're gonna be physical. One of the key things that he and, and safeties coach Craig Nivar brought with them from Texas, their, their mentality is run and hit. And so from the, the opening whistle, I think we're going to get a sense of what this USC defense uh, has in store. What, what's, your, what's your key sort of matchup uh, on that side of the ball, looking at, at USC's defense? I, I know you mentioned EA at linebacker and, and Tupelodio at at defensive line, is there kind of a, a position group versus position group or, or even a player versus player uh, that, that you're watching on that side? Well, first, I, I think uh, it should be mentioned that that uh, ASU has a new offensive coordinator. Sure, absolutely. And that, and that offensive coordinator is coming from a highly successful Boise State. Zach offense. Hill coming over from Boise Zach State. Zach Hill, correct, correct. You know, this is to me the wild card for the USC uh, defense because uh, obviously Hill is accomplished. I don't think Herm Edwards hires bad coaches at all. So when you ask what is going to be the key, the, the key to me is going to be the line, SC linebackers. Uh, I, I think that, you know, the, the secondary is only as good as the pressure they put on Daniels. The key is if the secondary of, uh, you know, Steele and Griffin and Hufanga and Palomao do their job uh, and they don't allow, uh, you know, receivers to get open in the secondary, that means that uh, Jaden Daniels is going to move. So here's the key. The pressure that the defensive line puts on Daniels to the point where he's going to try to get outside the pocket it's going to fall towards those outside linebackers. And it's going to be basically one-on-one -on -one opportunities to either get him down or you got problems. So, uh, you know, key would be, of course, maybe Drake Jackson. But, you know, Daniels is so athletic, so athletic, you know, that, uh, you know, let's remember, this guy was a four-star coming out of, uh, you know, San Bernardino Inland Empire area. You know, he, he's, he was a known quarterback then. Uh, you know, so it depends on S if SC can pressure him from the inside, don't let him lose contain on the outside, uh, and rack him up a couple of times. You know, there's no, there's no substitute for getting the quarterback and punishing him. You know, hopefully they'll do it in a controlled, disciplined manner and not get some, you know, roughing calls, which would be, you know, basically a win for Arizona State. But they have to do that. They have to pressure inside, contain on the outside. What's your what's your key to the game overall? Is is there a statistic? Is that it? Is it the the containment of Jaden Daniels or or and this is on either side of the ball. The 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 one thing that tells the story of, of who wins the game 
uh, on Saturday. Is there something that kind of jumps out to you? Well, I think the, the not so obvious is the obvious. It's which quarterback is going to be allowed to do their thing and how effective are they when they're allowed to do their thing. It's going to come down to turnovers. It's going to come down to sacks. It's going to come down to intimidation. It's going to come down to the basic factors of, you know, we know that SC is a quarterback-friendly offense. Cut off the head, the body dies. Okay? Uh, as far as uh, Arizona State, at least this year's version, especially in the first game, the same, the same uh, cliche uh, applies. Cut off the head, the body dies. If Jaden Daniels was out of that game, they're in, they're in a world of hurt. So, yes, it does come back down to that. And secondary will be the two offensive lines. Can the two offensive lines establish uh, dominance over the, other, the opponent's defensive lines? Because if they don't, somebody's offense is going to be in, in, in trouble. Uh, and uh, we, know, we know, since the game is early in the morning, uh, what, what, how are these teams going to come out of the tunnel in the first quarter, are they going to be yawning? Are they going to be ready to go? I would suspect the second half will be more of a we're we're awake now, okay. But again, it comes back to the two quarterbacks, in my opinion. I, I wanted to to get into some of that, you know, the the nine a.m. and and that, but let's hit hit special teams um, first a little bit, and that was sort of the one of the big plays that really got Arizona State going and and back into it was that big long kickoff return. Uh, for Arizona State last year and last year when you're talking about you know big long kickoff returns against USC you have to be real specific about which one you're talking about because the, <laughs> there were a few <laughs> your Sean Snyder comes over uh, from Kansas State where he just I mean did an absolutely phenomenal job uh, with special teams play for the Wildcats expectations there, how do you see special teams maybe factoring into to this game on Saturday? Oh, I think it's going to be a big factor, and I'll tell you why. Sean Snyder, by reputation, awards, etc., and his own uh, college ability, uh, being an All-America punter, I think is going to be a real, real shot in the arm to the USC team, and it's going to show. Now, John Baxter who of course we know is no longer here, uh, was a lightning rod. He was a lightning rod with everybody. Uh, and I don't say that in a positive way, uh, but he did have his moments. He put a lot of concentration on, on blocking kicks and they were very good at it. Uh, and, and there were certainly there were moments in the game. But I think Sean Snyder uh, is gonna turn a lot of players uh, loose. Let's just example, uh, Aussie punter Ben Griffiths, the sophomore. You know, he averaged 41.2 average in, in 2019, yet most felt that what they saw in practice was not what they saw in the game. And just the fact that we're hearing, Sean Snyder was saying in the media conference earlier in the week, we've done a couple of things with Ben Griffiths and we think we've really improved his, his kicking. Well, to me, uh, last year, Ben Griffiths was... <laughs> I know I don't know if this is appropriate. It's like he was playing with uh, one leg tied behind the other, and I think they're going to allow him to to exhibit why he's an NFL prospect. Uh, I also think that uh, 
you know, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be as big of an effect with Chase McGrath, because I think Chase is a pretty good field goal kicker. He's had some big games. Uh, we know that against uh, Texas, he had, you know, two big field goals uh, that were the difference in the game. And I'm sure Todd Orlando remembers that and Craig Nivar, uh, you know, because they were coaches at, at Texas, I believe, at the time. So I, I feel that that's good. You know, the key also is going to be punt returning. Uh, you know, I think we're looking at Tyler Bonds and Amon Ross St. Brown uh, and the way they, they teach it. And the thing to remember with Baxter, which is not a rip on Baxter at all, he was having to deal with things at the time uh, during his tenure at SC, both special teams and tight ends, uh, where Sean Snyder uh, is going to, you know, specifically just be special teams. So I think SC is in good shape. I think they're going to be better coached uh, all around. And I think it's going to show, and it could show as early as the first game. We'll we'll certainly find out in a hurry. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, with you on that. I, I've I've always sort of thought that USC has the kind of athletes where it, you should be able to just sort of pick names out of a hat, roll them out there, and get at least average play across all, all the special teams units. And so when you have a year where USC is is I mean, dead last in kickoff coverage uh, can't, can't happen. And, and I would certainly expect things to, you know, bounce back uh, this year and, and be a lot better um, in that just based on law of averages. But again, when you talk about, you know, Sean Snyder coming over and what he's capable of doing, I, I think there are some big positives waiting for, for USC in terms of special teams uh, play this year. One, one thing that you got into a little bit and I want to hit on too, boy, is this, uh, it's a 9 a.m. game. I mean, I, the, it's something that both Clay Helton and, and the players, and most recently when we got to talk to uh, earlier this week, Keaton Slovis and Amon Ross St. Brown, I, I asked them sort of, you know, about the 9 a.m. game and if they had kind of experienced anything or, or learned anything because USC has, has done – uh, three sort of early morning uh, Coliseum game prep situations thing during the fall to get ready for it. Uh, and, and Clay Helton said, boy, the difference from the first time doing it to the second time doing it was pretty severe uh, in, in, in a good way, you know, moving towards getting more ready for it. They both sort of shrugged it off. No, just a game. You know, Keaton Slovis said we're used to, uh, you know, he's still used to playing uh from, you know, morning games in, in Pop Warner and Amon Ross St. Brown basically said, you know, I'll play whenever, whenever, wherever, if you tell me when the whistle's blowing, I'll, I'll be there and, and we'll play. So everybody kind of downplaying it. I, I still feel like there, there might be something there, especially that sort of double whammy of it being at 9 a.m. And, and there being no fans there. I, I think that is going to be something that potentially – takes some getting used to. And I think, I, I think that's a big key. I think whoever reacts best to that and, and kind of can put that accelerator down earliest and get going, I, I think that's a, a bigger deal in this game than in maybe just kind of a, a normal game, grabbing that really early momentum. Well, let me, I'm going to touch on that, but I did want to just briefly touch on ASU's special teams. Oh, sorry. Uh, Wherever you want to go. Yeah, well, I just wanted to mention because I think it could play a factor in the game as well. Remember, they have junior punter Michael Turk, who averaged 46 yards per punt, and he was also the all-pack 12 first team selection. 
Yes. And he was 11th nationally in punting. And their junior place kicker, uh, Christian Sendejas, of course, that's a familiar name for those long followers of college football from the Sendejas family, was ninth nationally in field goals. Uh, and he, too, could be a big factor in the game. Uh, so uh, as much as I think we both agree that, uh, that the SC special teams are going to be much better, uh, you know, in a close game, uh, it, it could be a battle of punters. It could be a battle of field goal kickers. Now, let me transition to the, the, the original question about morning games. You know, it was very interesting because uh, I was uh, reading that Kike Hernandez of the Dodgers was saying how uh, different it was in the early rounds of the playoffs when there was no fans and there was the artificial noise and the, you know, the artificial organ, the whole thing. And then when they got to the national championship series and the world series, even though it was 11,000 fans, it was like, whoa, they sounded like, I guess, 50,000 fans. And it changed the whole mindset. So what you're saying, I think, is really valid at nine in the morning. And remember, when you're talking about uh, sports, professional sports, they're paid to play. You know, college kids, uh, so much of it is on motivation, enthusiasm. Now, I think both teams will be enthusiastic. I don't know exactly if they're going to play music throughout the game or jack up the crowd noise on third and nine you know, and, and do the gong when Arizona State's got a third down situation. We don't know that yet. We'll find out. But I think the biggest factor to me on this nine o'clock game is that Arizona State has been practicing all the time early in the morning. Okay. And the reason they did that is when they came out with their fall academic schedule, all the players' schedules were slotted in for a early practice, and then a later in the classroom experience on campus. USC was the opposite because they, they weren't going to practice in the morning. No one knew there was going to be a nine o'clock game, but because SC uh, slotted uh, their schedules for their players to have an afternoon practice, why they've been getting up and, uh, you know, they've been going to class. They can say they went to weightlifting at six in the morning, but it's not the same thing. Uh, so which team is going to be in better shape uh, physically and emotionally to handle an early morning game? Now, we could all sit there and argue and say, well, look, the game's on national TV out. You know, how are you not going to come out fired up? But you know something? You and I and I think all of our listeners know, uh, you never can be sure about how somebody 18 to 22 years old is going to react to a situation uh, let's, let's face it, they're only doing this because they think there's going to be a big audience on the East Coast. Okay, that remains to be seen. We'll see what happens when the ratings come out. But the effect, the effect of nobody in the stands, uh, they're supposed to get tested for uh, the virus, what, at 6 o'clock in the morning? I mean, I'm trying to work backwards. I think one of the questions that the media uh, thing with, with Helton is I, you know, I didn't get a chance to participate in it, but I was hoping someone would ask exactly what time is wake up call in the morning? Is it four, 4.30? What time, is, what time is breakfast? Okay, what time is the testing? What time do you board the bus? I mean, theoretically, we both know that USC arrives about an hour, uh, two hours, maybe an hour and 45 minutes before kickoff. Well, if you just 
say two hours, that means they're going to be at the Coliseum at seven in the morning. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's going to be an interesting experience to see who's ready to come out in the first quarter and really hit. Yeah, it's and and it's one of those things where you're glad to have kind of this defensive staff and and kind of the extra. Um, you know, on the sideline guys that, that USC was able to bring in, the, the analysts and the quality control guys, and, and that to, to be able to kind of provide uh, the atmosphere that's going to be lacking from, from nobody in the stands. So I, I think that is going to be, I think that's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be tough for, you know, if you, for, for teams that, you know, maybe fall behind or something like that, trying to kind of bring your own energy and, and get back into it you know, maybe that's tougher this year uh, than in years past. Maybe this sort of whole environment favors the, the visiting teams this year. And that's something where we don't really have answers yet until we have some games uh, under our belt. And this USC Arizona State one for the Pac-12 at least is going to be the very first taste of, uh, of Pac-12 football in 2020. Um, but before we head out, let's your your prediction do you do you have an idea of of kind of what's coming uh and and not necessarily a final score but your feelings about the outcome of of saturday i'll I'll go back to the old john mckay it's a cop-out but it's true the trojans play as well as they can play and arizona state plays as well as they can play usc's gonna win okay uh my prediction was that the trojans would win by at least 10 points or more okay that's just a prediction uh, you know, everybody's got a prediction. Uh, you know, I, I think I had the score of something like uh, 31 or 38 to 31, something along that, uh, or 27, something like that. But, you know, the way things are going right now, the most important thing for this USC team to do is win, no matter what the score is. Because if they don't win, I can tell you, this is going to be like an end of the season game big game rather than the first game and there's so many things that would transpire with a loss that uh, I won't say it's cataclysmic but you know from Helton's you know hot seat quote unquote uh, to everything else a win would really set the Trojans in a good place uh, in a hurry. Yeah, you've you've got you know UCLA on the schedule, and you've got the the road trip to Utah, and potentially bowl game, potentially a Pac-12 championship. But but boy, does this Arizona State game right off the top feel like kind of the the biggest game of the year uh, in terms of where a win could the, the direction that a win could send you, and the direction that a, that a loss could send you. Uh, it, it's there is a big swing. Uh, in between those two outcomes. I, I do think that USC, they'll, they'll be fired up to go. They, they lost out on kind of proving themselves, being able to prove themselves against Alabama to start the year. But again, getting kind of the, the biggest matchup, the biggest game uh, in the Pac-12 South right off the top, that, that's going to put that, that's going to dangle that carrot out there. And, and I think they're going to be ready to go. I'm excited to see the how the defense you know looks under Todd Orlando and and this offense and I think they've got kind of the the firepower and the playmakers to get it done uh, against Arizona State but we will find out on Saturday uh, 9 a.m the the big Fox uh, noon window uh, that the Pac-12 is going to be in for the first time and, and it's going to be should be a fun one between Arizona State and USC so thanks Greg for uh, for hopping on uh, for Greg Katz, this is Eric McKinney. Thanks for listening to the We Are SC podcast.